Hello, and welcome to the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast, where we share tips, tricks, and hacks on how to practice gratitude daily. Whether you're a gratitude guru or you've lost your gratitude journal once again, we've got you covered. We share personal and authentic stories from our guests who are entrepreneurs, business professionals, parents, caregivers, and everyday human beings just like you and I. I'm your host, Julie Boyer, and I'm an intuitive business and health coach, and I'm here to inspire you to choose to wake up with gratitude every single day. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast. Today, I'm bringing you another great interview with Damien Nordman, and he's what we call a dharmapreneur. He'll explain that in our interview. We had a really fun time chatting about so many different things. He's got experience as the former president of the School of Mesophysics. He's an intuitive business coach, and his search has been to find the underlying truth of the universe since he was a teenager. Very powerful and interesting story for someone who knew his path at a very young age. Now, before we get into the episode, I wanted to invite you to take a look at my shop at wakeupwithgratitude.com because I'm having my first ever spring sale. So if you want to grab some of the cards or a copy of my book, 30 Days of Gratitude, and save 15% on your purchases of in-stock products, all you have to do is visit the website, wakeupwithgratitude.com, and then enter code SPRINGSALE21 at checkout. The code is in all caps, and then you'll receive 15% off all applicable products in your order. I would love your support. And heck, if you haven't even been to see the store yet, just take a look. I share my photos from here on Vancouver Island at sunrise, the occasional sunset, and other beautiful nature landscapes on my website. All right, friends, let's get into the episode with Damien Nordman. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast. I'm your host, Julie Boyer, and today I'm bringing you a friend of mine that I've been looking forward to this for quite some time. So please welcome Damien Nordman. Hi, friend. What is up? Oh, this is exciting. We're finally getting to do this after meeting several months ago. We connected through our podcast community. Damien is actually the host of the You Are the You Are the Superhero podcast, and I know uh, we recorded an episode on his podcast. I can't wait to share that with all of you. Um, he's also the former president of the School of Metaphysics. He's an expert in money affirmations and an intuitive business coach. Now, I bet you can tell from that introduction that Damien and I have a lot to talk about, (laughs) a lot of things in common, a lot of areas of interest that both of us are connected with. And I know Damien also practices gratitude. It's a foundation of who he is and what he does. So Damien, before we get into all these amazing details, I'd love to hear a little bit about your story um, because I know there was some, maybe some formative experiences that kind of happened when you were a child. Yeah. Oh my gosh. There's a lot of things that happened. I I feel like that my childhood, it was a good childhood for sure. It was a lot of fun, but you know, it's almost like I was, I was more serious in some ways back then than I am now. 
<laughs> like, even though you might, like people might not have been able to tell it like internally, but I did have an experience where, uh, and you and I were kind of chatting about this. I did have an experience when I was 11, almost about to turn 12, where I came down with spinal meningitis. And if anybody doesn't know what that is, it is a, what can be a, a virus or a bacteria. I think mine was a bacterial infection, which is not as bad, but still very bad. <laughs> and it, it, it affects the brain and the spinal cord. And in fact, the, the brain begins to swell and the spinal cord begins to swell and you have to stop drinking water or your brain will literally burst. Like it will expand to the point where you will die. Um, and of course you're also, it's an infection. So, you know, I was flu like symptoms where I was, you know, vomiting and, and, and just like completely fatigued and just like all this headache. Of course the headache was immense because my brain was swelling, but, um, fortunately we caught it in time and I had to have a spinal tap, which is also not too fun. Um, <laughs> but, but better than dying and, and, uh, went to the hospital for about a week and, uh, and they were able to get it under control. But I, I just, re I remember that experience as one where I was just like, after I was better and I was out of the hospital, I just remember thinking like, wow, you know, I could have died. I'm, I'm almost 12 and I could have died. And, um, I mean, that was very spelled out very clear by the d different doctors who, you know, who said it. they were like, you know, if this had gone on for another few days and you'd kept drinking water, Cause they, you know, they basically put you on an IV and then let you suck on like little chips of ice. So you kind of get a little bit of moisture in your mouth, but not enough to, um, to, to stimulate the swelling effect to allow that to go down. So just that, that whole process, I just remember thinking that's kind of amazing that, that I'm still alive, right. That I get to be alive and, and I'm, I'm well now and I'm okay. I didn't have any permanent damage and I could, you know, I remember, actually this kind of memory of me going out to our back patio and then me like petting our cats, you know, we had all these barn cats and we lived out in the country and, and just kind of like, like thinking like, wow, okay, I'm alive. And this is, this is such a great thing that, you know, I'm going to continue my existence and not <laughs> with, you know, from this point forward when it was a very painful and traumatic experience, but I made it through it. And so if I can make it through this, you know, I can probably make it through a lot of other things that, that might seem, you know, really, really trying in my life. Doesn't it make you just really have reverence for our human body, right? That we can go through really traumatic physical illnesses like that and just, and we can get through it. And then there's no physical evidence that it ever happened. Now, our mind, of course, as you said, remembers the trauma like it was yesterday, right? You, as soon as you think of that moment again, you're back there. Our mind is, is such a powerful thing. And I think what a lesson for a young child to really understand, like that reverence for not only the human body, but the reverence for life and the, and the, you know, how incredible it is to be alive. So did that, did that sort of help guide you in your, like, how did you end up at the school of metaphysics? Cause I don't think it was like one right went to the next. I feel like the road, you know, went on a few sort of twists and turns to end up from that sort of formative experience to yeah. working at the school of metaphysics. Well, interestingly enough, it was only about 
six years later that I found the school of metaphysics because I found the school of metaphysics or, or attracted it to me or was drawn to it when I was uh, right when I turned 18. And so, and I was still a senior in high school and I began studying there as well, uh, taking a class one night a week at that, you know, at the school of metaphysics while I was still taking my high school classes. And you're right. I mean, you know, there was so much that led up to that. I mean, everything from, you know, my, my parents instilling a certain amount of spirituality. I mean, not that they were like super, super spiritual people, but, but definitely t- teaching me to pray and teaching me to, you know, have reverence for God. And, and we went to a, some church, different churches that were pretty cool throughout my growing up years. And then also just being like so much into like Eastern philosophy and martial arts. I took martial arts growing up. And so I, I had a lot of that Eastern influence from a young age, just from, just from that really, even just the study of martial arts and, and related kind of topics. Um, and then probably one of my biggest influences was that I, in high school, I had a youth group and a youth leader who is an amazing man. He was only about 10 years older than us. He was about 28 when I was 18 around there. Yeah. About 10 years older than us. And he and and just some amazing people, other youth in this group that I was this youth group I was a part of, and he really brought things like the Bible and spirituality and connection with God and 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 sharing of that into such a keen light that you know that definitely enhanced and opened up my pursuit of all things deeper. And it's funny because that really kind of led me to right before I found the school of metaphysics, I was kind of frustrated and kind of angry and really disheartened that everything seemed so separate. You know, like mm-hmm. it seemed to me that art and philosophy and math and science and all these things, I could see these connecting links. And yet everybody wanted to like separate everything and spirituality. And it was all like boxy and like, we're going to put everything in these little boxes and not have them really communicate to me it was like that's so weird and so i started to tell people at the age of 17 that i'm i'm looking for the underlying truth of the universe wow <laughs> those are big and words people were wow. like okay <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> wow that is that's a lot i'm looking for the underlying truth in the universe at 17 years old that is yeah. What an interesting uh, beginning of your journey and that that guidance that, I mean, to me, it feels like you were guided along the way through uh, other forces beyond you. I love what you said, too, about how everything being so separate. I was just listening to another, a different podcast, and they were talking about education and how you know, someone decided years ago that like you would study biology over here and chemistry at this time and physics at this time. And that was decided by, you know, a group of people. And then it just stayed the same, the same people that decided that you would have art over here and science over here and math over here and and there, you know, them all shall meet. So is that kind of what, like, I don't really know a lot about the school of metaphysics. What does that sort of encompass an organization like that? Oh my gosh. It's, you know, I'll try to, I'll try to do it justice. It really warrants a few, like few of my 
biographies to like really talk <laughs> about everything that happened because yeah. I mean, you know, it's like one of my former students and good friends of mine, he would say, you know, he's like, man, it's such a, it was such a quirky organization, right? It's such a crazy organization because we would, there was, there's a, there is a structure to it where we learn spiritual and mental practices like meditation and dream work and focusing exercises and concentration um, and and just like all of these tools to make your life better, to hone your mind, to give you like real spiritual experiences, intuitive experiences. Um, I mean, we would even do chakra work and later on we would do like thought projection exercises to each other and study, you know, things like astral projection and lucid dreaming, you know, these more esoteric kinds of things. So it had a very practical side to it with the focusing and the universal laws and like goal setting and success principles. Right. And then it had a very esoteric side to it. And then we would study holy works like the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita and the Tao Te Ching and the Dhammapada, you know, all, you know, and we would interpret them in ways that were very universal, right. It was non-religious. It was very much like, how can a spiritual being understand this in a practical way as we're living out our physical lives? So, and then there was like, there was service that was involved in the organization where, you know, and there was there was learning how to create abundant abundance and prosperity. There was a lot of co- like community activities in our school branches and at our headquarters, which was like on 1500 acres of, of land in Missouri. Um, you know, there's just so much, I mean, so many different aspects to it. And of course, part of the, the curriculum was that once you finish the first cycle of lessons, there were four cycles or four tiers. And the first cycle after that, you it was required that you actually teach uh, the first cycle once you got into the second cycle. And then after that, every cycle forward, you had to be teaching somewhere and you had to be leading in some capacity. And so, um, you know, that made, a, made it very interesting because, mm-hmm. you know, it was kind of this, this organization of teachers and leaders. So... Wow. I mean, that's just scratching the surface. I mean, I could, I could go on and on, but, but the whole crux of it, I guess you could say there were kind of two things to the, to the, the education there. One is that we, we were encouraging people and teaching people to become, as we called it, a whole functioning self, which is like knowing your whole self, knowing your whole mind, your whole heart, your whole spirit, you know, knowing all of that as much as possible um, in it within the curriculum and what, what was being offered Um, and the other thing that we taught was learning how to learn. So, so much of what I've gained from the school of metaphysics, I've now taken into learning from business coaches and learning from other types of coaches because I've been, was, I basically never stopped being a student literally from the time I was in kindergarten, maybe even before that, but definitely by kindergarten, I mean, before I graduated high school, I went into the school of metaphysics and I was part of that organization for 22 years. And so, you know, I was always like, that was what we taught. You're always a student first. So literally I've, I've just always been a student and always found somebody to teach me something new. And I feel like that's the key to life. That's keep, keep that's the, that's the key to immortality is you keep learning, you keep growing, you keep evolving, expanding. And, and sometimes that's more assimilation. Sometimes that's more active learning um, but it's always got some component of, you know, moving forward to it. 
It's really interesting to me that you talk about this whole being whole learning and really like all the sides of who we are as human beings, you know, having like a physical experience on this planet, spiritual beings. And I love what you said about being the eternal student. I think, you know, as we navigate, so we navigate, we do unschooling, which is a type of homeschooling which does not involve a formal curriculum, which is very difficult for many, many people to understand that you can still learn if you're not being forced to learn what's written in a textbook or what your teacher standing up the front of the class is is teaching you and how you can be excited about learning uh, in so many different ways. And that commitment to ongoing study and growth. And one of the things that I try to share, especially when I explain kind of unschooling model is, is exactly what you just said, is that I myself as an adult, I'm choosing to continue to learn and study all the time. You know, I didn't stop learning because I left university. I continue to learn and grow. I'm always learning new things. I mean, you and I are both podcasters. We had to learn how to become <laughs> podcaster, right? That didn't just, weren't born podcasters. Uh, I don't, didn't even exist when you and I were born. So I love that, that perspective that you have all around that um, learning. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, I think that's, I really do believe it's a key to health. It's a key to a long life. It's a key to a happy life. Uh, At least it's one of them. I mean, certainly love and loving people and having loving relationships friends, family, or whatever works for you in that regard is another one. But, um, I think you can, you can have all the love and if you don't have growth and learning, you can end up stagnating and being pretty bitter or frustrated, you know, or just get stuck because things are changing and people are changing and you're not right. Well, and really whether if you choose to not learn and not continue, you're not, you're not going to stop change. You're actually changing. You're just going in a different direction than the rest of us. So now speaking of change, so you are the former president of the school of metaphysics. You have transitioned to a new career, a new business. Can you share with us a little bit about how that came about what was the what were, what inspired you to to move on from what sounds like a really amazing experience that you were having we'll be right back to the podcast after this short break a decade ago i met this amazing biochemist and scientist dr libby weaver whose passion was all about healthy nutrition taking care of our liver and really understanding how digestion and detoxification works Dr. Libby and I had a personal conversation and we talked about my own digestion. And at the time, it was very odd that every time I would enjoy a healthy whole wheat wrap for lunch, I would have stomach cramps afterwards. I didn't really understand the connection between the food that I was eating and how I was feeling. Dr. Libby gently suggested that I might try taking gluten out of my diet for 30 days to see how I would feel. Now you're probably thinking, what's the big deal? I mean, people go gluten-free all the time. Sure, but back then, gluten-free wasn't even a thing. In fact, it was extremely difficult to find any gluten-free substitutes. So gluten-free really meant choosing whole foods that did not have gluten in them. 
This inspired me to create a program called the 30 day whole body detox, which is all about nourishing your body at the cellular level. And it's a gluten-free and dairy-free program that allows you to really understand how your body feels when you nourish it with whole real foods and support your cells with nutritional supplementation. A few years ago, I found myself in a really bad sugar addiction spiral. I had been eating a lot of eggies, which are candy coated chocolate eggs. And I had been eating them since Valentine's day. And it was time for the 30 day whole body detox. I was so sick from all the sugar that I'd been eating that I didn't even feel like doing the program. I had lost all my motivation. I was tired all the time, grumpy. I didn't even realize the effect that the sugar was having on myself. That year, it took me almost two weeks to start to feel like myself again. And I truly believe that if it wasn't for the 30 day whole body detox that year, I would have gotten into a really bad downward spiral that I'm not sure I would have gotten out of in only 14 days. Now, last year would have been our ninth anniversary of the program, but because April of 2020, we were in the throes of the pandemic. I was definitely not interested in doing a detox program and neither were my clients. So we gave it a break for a year, which means that I am so looking forward to participating in the 30 day whole body detox again this year. In fact, I'm kind of reminded back to that time when I was dealing with that difficult sugar addiction and how excited I am for the 30 day whole body detox. I'd love to have you join us. It's a wonderful program that really helps you to get back to feeling your best and understanding how different foods make you feel great and other ones don't make you feel so good. To learn more about this program, visit our website, 30daywholebodydetox.com. So if you want to learn more, or if you're interested in joining us, please visit 30daywholebodydetox.com. Now let's get back to the podcast. It's actually, (laughs) well, okay. You hear, you know how you hear about people, a lot of people these days who were in like a corporate job and their soul was like, you know, getting sucked out of them. And so they, they went and they become like an intuitive healer or so, you know, who knows what, (laughs) or an astrologer or, 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 you know, they go and start their own business, you know? So my journey was kind of like a weird opposite version of that, because even though, I was with this amazing organization and there was so much I learned from it. I really overstayed my, my soul's welcome there, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Where I was there for 22 years. It was all that I knew really my whole life. I mean, I, I worked some other jobs because in the early stages, like you don't really get paid in that organization like you normally would at, like a job in, in somewhere else. Um, but I was with that organization for 22 years. So I probably should have left three or four years earlier, like, you know, a bit earlier, at least maybe more. Uh, So I experienced kind of what people in a corporate setting might experience where, except for me, it was a little different. I was becoming kind of bitter about some things that I hadn't gone on to do what I wanted and and that, you know, I had been changing and, and really changing the organization as well. But a lot of my predecessors and teachers and people before me, weren't really willing to change and get out of the way. So it was sort of like this clash of groups of like my generation and and the people I taught and, and were similar, you know, similar people and like the older kind of dinosaurs who 
we're not willing to evolve. And so it kind of, it, my, my parting with the organization, well, let's just say was, was, was stressful and challenging. And I was actually getting very sick towards the, like physically sick towards the end of my time there. And, uh, and then when I left, I mean, I just kind of went into a depression for two and a half years, you know, where it was just very challenging, you know, and, and if you think about starting something when you're 18 and your whole identity getting wrapped up in it, and it really was a culture. Um, and I, I mean, there were a lot of benefits to that culture, but there were dark sides to it as well. And so, you know, my whole identity, I just had to go, Oh my gosh. Okay. Who am I now? Right. Like who, who is, who am I without this organization? And what do I want to be doing with my life? So really that was a little over five years ago. Uh, and so it's, it's really kind of taken me this five years of introspection and trying things and hiring business coaches and meeting other people and, and just engaging with different people in a variety of ways to, to draw out and, and trying things too, right. And coaching and teaching and starting a podcast and, you know, seeing what fits uh, to, to really start to get a, an identity where I'm like, okay, I'm this intuitive business coach. I'm, I'm a Dharmapreneur and I teach other Dharmapreneurs like how to fulfill their life's purpose through their, their businesses. Right. And, and I feel like it's always an unfoldment, but certainly it's kind of taken probably this last year or so for things to really come forward where I'm like, okay, now I'm starting to feel more like myself again. And like, not only myself, but like kind of this new self that has been birthed from all of this. I don't think you're alone in that feeling of when you set your mind to a career, profession, job, company for even if you, maybe you have a profession and you, you change companies, but when you've been doing something for two decades, you really do get your, your identity wrapped up in it. And I know many people in my own life that would love to make a change from a corporate career that they have, but their, their identity is so wrapped up in who they are. And like you, you were the president of the school of medicine physics. Like some people get really wrapped up in that, that title and that, you know, I'm the CEO of this and the, this over here that they don't have the courage that it takes to make that change. And, and like you said, it wasn't easy. It took you two and a half years of being in a really difficult place to start to feel like who you are. I wanted to touch on, um, I wanted to hear a little bit more about what you said about being a Dharma preneur, because that sounds like what we really need is people living to their gifts and serving in that way. So what, tell me more about that. Yeah, I actually intuited that word a few months back, like late last year. And a lot of what we taught at the School of Metaphysics, we actually taught about Dharma and Karma. Mm -hmm. And the way I understand Karma is really just what we're here to learn, right? It's what we're here to, the, like the lessons or the, the understandings that we need to be able to grow into that we haven't quite got yet. And I do believe, you know, in past lives. And so we've, you know, maybe we've built some of that, but we're still lacking in some areas. So there's some way that we still need to, to grow. And then Dharma is what we've already mastered to some degree, so it's it's the understandings, it's the the permanent learning, it's the the amazing qualities that we've developed, you know, the constellation of growth that we've produced in our many lifetimes, and that's that's really focalized in this lifetime as like our gift. A lot of people think of it as their mission, their calling, you know, their purpose, you know, what you have to give. And so um, 
so I find that, you know, it's important to focus on that, that Dharma. And then you can also, you know, that helps you actually fill in your karma when you're focusing on your Dharma because one affects the other. And so it came to me that that's what I do. I work with people who are Dharmapreneurs. So you've heard of mompreneurs and kidpreneurs, you know, and all these different preneurs, like different entrepreneurial mm -hmm. type of people, which I think is amazing. You know, it's really good to have all of that. And so I thought, well, this is what I do. I help people truly release, unleash, and unveil their higher purpose and create right livelihood and wealth and abundance through a, a business that they create that's their own, that's an expression of who they really are. And so I I work with Dharmapreneurs. And that's even the Facebook group I have, Dharmapreneurs, right? Superheroes in business and life. So that's it just like I was literally walking around my my condo one day between getting a snack or something, going to the bathroom or something. And I was just like, oh, yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that intuitive hit and that you went with it. I love that it, you know, you got that creative burst and you just like, yes, this is what I'm doing. And you just went for it. And it's amazing. So you serve people through a Facebook group. Is that is that an open group or do you have to be part of your coaching program to join that group? Um, it's, it's open in that anybody can join. It's okay. a private group, but, but anybody right. can join. Okay. Um, and it's, I mean, people who are going to have the most fun in there are either people who are truly already kind of Dharmapreneurs or people who just like to learn about this stuff, like wealth and abundance and, uh, and, and living your higher purpose and, you know, tools and things for, for running your business better, like really practical strategies and tools, but also, you know, all of the metaphysics and all of the universal laws that allow anybody to have a fulfilling life. So actually people who aren't really entrepreneurs can come into the group and really get a lot out of it. It's just people who, who have a business are going to get, you know, a lot of bonus stuff that <laughs> that's really applicable to them right now. Oh, that's amazing. Well, we'll make sure that people can access that through a link, uh, of course, when we share the podcast episode. And um, and then you work with clients. Do you work mostly privately or do you do group coaching? How does it work if we want to work with you? I really like the hybrid approach of uh, group group coaching where you get one-on-one -on -one coaching with it. And that's okay. that's kind of what I've experienced in the recent years too. And And I like it because people learn so well in a group, I think, where they're sharing with each other and things get filled in that they might not have thought about. And then also having enough of that one-on-one -on -one time to really go, oh, I need some help with this one area or I need to really understand my next step and let's figure it out. So, and I do also do one-on-one -on -one coaching if people just want that. So that is, you know, that that's an option that I do as well. Oh, I love that. That sounds amazing. I like the hybrid model, actually. It is really effective. You do the group stuff together get some time one-on-one -on -one with the coach. And, you know, we've had so many amazing coaches on the podcast. And what I always like to say is that what's great is that there's a coach for you at whatever point you are in your life, whatever you're looking for, there's the right person out there for you to connect with, to help you to get to the next level. And I think that's, what's so powerful about working with a coach. Now we did, uh, I did mention a little bit at the beginning that gratitude is a big part of, you know, who you are and how you live. I'd love to hear a little bit about, you know, what does that look like for Damien? Is it like a daily thing or weekly? How does gratitude show up for you or how do you practice it? So a few ways. So 
often I will have a, a morning gratitude practice at the very moment. I'm like a few weeks ago, I stopped doing that as doing some other things, but I will often go for weeks or months having some daily practice. And what I like to do with that generally is I have a notebook that's really pretty much just for that, where I will write down at least 13 things I'm grateful for in the morning. Sometimes I'll go to 20, 30, you know, whatever I feel like, but, but at least 13. And, and, and for me, that's a great way to, I think when you write something, you're at a greater point of focus and there's something about manifesting those thoughts through a written word onto a page, right? I mean, or, or saying it too, it's another way to do it too. But that's really been one of my bigger practices. And sometimes I'll just incorporate saying out loud what I'm grateful for. And sometimes if, if I can't even do that, I'll just think about like focus on my thoughts of what, what am I grateful for? Like what's something that is important to me. And what's interesting about that, I think, is is this whole practice is the more you you have a gratitude practice, what I find is that spontaneously more things pop into my experience that I'm grateful for. And and sometimes it can like I was talking, I was on a podcast, I was on um Jetty Azuma's the the Waking Man podcast a couple of weeks ago. And he does a lot of men's work. And we were we were talking about, you know, for for us as men, but I think for anybody, you know, even being grateful for the thing, it's really easy to be grateful for the things that are like wonderful things, like a beautiful day. And like, you know, we, I have this, this home that I live in or this, this car that I drive and all this sort of, you know, things that are kind of obvious, but what about, you know, being grateful for like the fact that I had spinal meningitis and that it, it, I would not have, I wouldn't be who I am now if I didn't have that experience, you know, or, you know, I, like I said, I went into a two and a half year depression after I left the school of metaphysics. Well, it sucked at the time, but as I was, you know, finding gratitude in those moments, it started to make me realize, okay, there's so much benefit to this. There's so much gold to this that it's showing me so much about the way I was living my life. It was showing me about the patterns of my, my dad and my mom and like my inherited ancestral patterns and these vibrational things that were, that were actually keeping me um, unhappy. And so this needed to happen and kind of the way that it unfolded and wasn't a lot of, it was kind of even unpleasant. Like the, the process of me leaving the school was unpleasant and there was a lot of stuff that happened, but all of that there's, I can have so much gratitude for it because I can see now so much more clearly why it needed to happen and how it, it, it taught me certain things that now allow me to bring even more to people than I, that I wouldn't be able to. Cause if somebody, you know, doesn't have any kind of challenge struggle or strife in their life, they actually end up sometimes manifesting it because they need something to be able to relate to the rest of humanity. Right. It's like, you know, it's like oftentimes it's like you need something to be able to, 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 to see like why we're here. And so anyway, just to say that there's a lot, I think it's important to, 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 to have a, a regular practice, even if you don't do it, even if you kind of ebb and flow in and out of that practice, I think it's smart to do it for periods of time because you really do get connected with, I think, your heart, your soul, and and those deeper aspects of, of yourself. And I think gratitude is is one of the one of the best ways and the easiest ways 
to do that, but it does require like doing it over time. Yeah. It's a practice that we evolve over time. Okay. One quick question. Why 13 things? Is that a lucky number for you or is there a reason for that? Um, I teach 13 different universal laws. Oh, okay. And 13 is kind of a, it's a special master number that a lot of people overlook because like Jesus, as well as Gautama, the Buddha, they both had 12 main apostles or disciples. Right. And if you look throughout history, there's a lot of that that happened where there would be like 12 of something. And then there would be like a 13th sort of master, like even like the, the, the gods of Olympus, there were 13 of them. Right. And so, you know, you start to find that number over and over again. And I just, I like it because, you know, it somehow got to be considered an unlucky number, you know, in our Western culture. And it is like, it's nothing's, it's not divisible by anything, but one in itself. So it's kind of an interesting number that way. Yeah. Yeah. But, but anyway, I just, I find it to be kind of a very cool master number to, uh, to work with. And so sometime back, I decided that would be how many I would at least do is is 13. (laughs) Well, I'm with you, my friend, 13 is my second favorite number. So I've always liked 13, maybe because I was like, there's no reason why this number should be unlucky. It's a great number. So I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm also on the, the 13. I just, I knew there was a story there because 13 is a pretty specific number. So I love what you said too, (laughs) about, you know, when we go through our challenges and difficult times, it's not that we're grateful it's not so much we're grateful for tragedy and loss and all those things. It's that we can look back and say, this happened, it sucked. And now I find gratitude that that moment led me to where I am today, or I got a really incredible lesson from that. And sometimes we don't even get a lesson, but I think, I mean, to me, I think if we miss the lesson in the challenge, we're missing out because then we just get the challenge again and it becomes more difficult because we missed the lesson the first time. Speaking of Dharma, right? Like, and the karma and everything. So, oh, that's a whole other conversation, my friend, that I won't get into right now, but I love, thank you for sharing that perspective because it's one that I've shared a number of times in the podcast. And so sometimes hearing it from a different voice or a different perspective, someone will go, ah, totally get that. Damien, I love our time here. It's been so much fun. We've kind of touched on so many incredible different things and there's lots I'm sure people will want to learn about you. Where is the best place to find you? I'll keep it really simple. Best place is to come into my Dharmapreneurs Facebook group. Okay. And that's that's Dharmapreneurs, Superheroes in Business and Life. I mean, that's where all the action and the fun's happening. That's where the party's happening. Um that you know, it's where I, I deliver a lot of my best stuff and content and interactions with people and and all of that. So yeah, and I mean, and if you're not on Facebook, you can you can you can find me. Like maybe if someone's just like an Instagram person, you can just find me at um, Avatar Damien on Instagram. But yeah, the the Facebook group is is definitely the place to come hang out with us. Oh, that's so amazing! Thank you so so much, Damien. Really enjoyed this. I really appreciate that you shared your insight and your wisdom with us and all your beautiful ways to practice gratitude. So thanks again, friend. Thank you. You're welcome. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening right to the end of the podcast. I hope this episode inspired you to choose to practice gratitude in different ways than you might have before. If you're not already following the podcast on your favorite app, all you have to do is click on the check mark or plus sign under the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast name to make sure that you're alerted of all the new episodes. 
If you really enjoy this podcast and want others to hear about it, it would mean so much if you could leave a review on your favorite app. Your review can help others to find the podcast and start to join us in choosing to wake up with gratitude every single day.